Welcome to the Screw It Podcast with the Joneses, Carlos and Jordan Jones. If you've ever come face to face with faith or failure, this podcast is for you. We talk about it all. The good, the bad, the real, the wrong. From relationships to redemption, from business to finance, race, religion, politics, injustice, and more. If you've said screw it to it, we're probably talking about it. Which will you choose? Join our host now, Carlos Jones and Jordan Jones for the Screw It Podcast. Screw it. Well, how's it going? And welcome to the Screw It Podcast. Here at the Screw It Podcast, our motto is, in life, you must go through it. Just do it. Screw it. And I am your co-host, Jordan Jones, the community pastor of Inspiration Church, with my special host, Pastor Carlos Jones. Pastor Carlos Jones. The author of the book. We are so excited to be, uh, this is our first podcast, and we're lifting it off, and we have a great person that's going to be joining in with us. I am going to read about her before I introduce her. Uh, She is a person that has had a big impact in radio. Uh, Our guest today is Jillian J.J. Simmons. Uh, She is a radio TV host, speaker, author, and creator of the movement of Respect My Crown. Respect My Crown encourages women to deepen in spirituality, sisterhood, accountability, and service. Jillian is also the founder of JJ's I Me Foundation that inspires teen girls to be the best version of themselves. Simmons has authored three books, Without Bruises, A Journey to Hope, Help and Healing, Respect My Crown, and a 30-day affirmation journal to uh, manifest your vision, and her latest book, All Falls Down, a daily study of scripture to lift you up when life has knocked you down. Man, wow. Pastor, I'm so excited wow. about this. Man, this it is... sounds like she's on it. Miss yeah. JJ is on it. I can't wait to hear from her, man. All right, is she on? Is yeah, she on? she's on. She... She's okay. on. Hey, right. hey. <laughs> hey there. There's the lady of the hour. <laughs> so, JJ, uh, thank, thank you so much for joining in with us. How are you today? I am doing wonderful this morning. I appreciate you all just allowing me to be a part of your first podcast. This is huge. Woo-hoo, you are the alpha. <laughs> or the guinea pig. <laughs> right, right. Depending on how you look at it. Well, good. Well, we, we want to talk a little bit about your book and my book, Screw It, Without Bruises and Screw It. And they are going to have a conversation today. Uh, we were able to read your book. And I must tell you, I had an internal conflict the whole time that I was reading. It was like, no, don't do it. No, God, please, don't, don't do it. And she walks in the door and does it. So, so talk about uh, a little bit about why you decided to publish this and put this on paper. Yeah. You know, when I was going through therapy and I'm learning so much about abuse and where it comes from and why I was choosing the men that I was choosing based on the relationship that I had with my mother, all I kept thinking was, how many other people are going through this? Like how many other people are in abusive relationships, these emotionally and mentally abusive relationships, and they don't even know that it's happening. And so that was the reason why I wrote the book. It was 
to share my experience so that other people could pick up the book and say, oh, crap, that's me. Or that's my aha moment. You know, oh, shoot, this is abuse. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and um, just being able to give that knowledge to other people to help them heal. That's great. So me being nosy, uh, are the the names of the people in the book, are those real names or are those uh, names made up to protect the identity? <laughs> <or innocent? laughs> I looked up DJ. That's so funny. A lot of people ask me about that too. They're, they're all the names are are made up names, but okay. you know, so Stacy wasn't his real name, but I had to use a name that was similar to a, a girl's name because his name was very similar to uh, one of his ex-girlfriends that I was cool with. Okay. Uh, okay. So his name yeah. must be Courtney. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Courtney <laughs> or <laughs> Jamie. Well, that is cool. So Stacy, so let's talk about Stacy. Um, well, let's talk about the gentleman before Stacy, because the gentleman before Stacy seems to be, uh, I guess in my mind, I'm like, dang it, stay with him, even though he's boring, even though he uh, you know, he, he is not as exciting. He seemed like he would had a little bit more of a foundation uh than the the latter. How was that relationship with the original guy? Well, I was so I was married before Stacy. Um, okay. we actually we met like the year I was getting divorced. And so uh, my ex-husband, who's also the the uh, father to my child, Alani, he he was a pastor's kid, a PK. Okay. Um, and he wanted a life. He, he married the girl on the radio is what it really boiled down to. And that wasn't me. He wanted that party lifestyle at the time. And that just wasn't, it wasn't who I was. It was who I was forced to be because of the industry I was in. And so um, I just don't believe we were ever meant to get married. I believe that was my decision wanting to, you know, just looking at time and just thinking now it's the time. You know, it's the time for me to be married. It's the time for me to have the happily ever after, you know, and it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. How old were you when you got married the first time? Uh, oof. It was 26 or 27. Okay. And you felt at that time, that time was running out. Yeah, it was like, you know, I've always been focused on my career since I was 16. Like I've given my career everything. And then you meet somebody who like made me feel so special and, uh, I, you know, I knew him through a mutual friend. So he was a pastor's kid. It was just like, you know, Jesus. So, you know, <laughs> like, like this gotta be it, right? It don't get no, it don't get no better than this. And ooh, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't it. Wow. 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 So Pastor Jordan, now you are closer to the age that she was when she got married. Correct. Uh, did you get married because you felt like time was running out? No, I didn't get married because I felt like time was running out. I believe that I got married because I felt there was no one else in the world who would take my wife's place. And so okay. since I 
knew that I didn't want to date anymore or anything like that. So I was like, screw it. Let's do it. Head and and I got married. So that's that's what it was for me. Okay, that's good. Good. So Stacy, uh, not Stacy, but I'm, I'm going back to Stacy. So JJ, let's talk about Stacy, right? So Stacy is is a mythical figure, right? He he's this guy. I guess he's like great on video, but terrible in person is kind of what I was getting from the whole story. Uh, but I was, you know, in the book, as I'm reading the book and I'm like, he cheated again. Like, come on, go, oh, come on, JJ. No, don't do it. So it's like, it's like four in the morning that I'm reading this book because I'm in my bed, just like tossing and turning and fighting the air. And I had to pause it because I was just like, oh my God, stop going back into this relationship. But then I had, I had an epiphany. And it was the moment that I said, man, I have been Stacy. Like I have, I have manipulated women and I have gotten from women what they have allowed me to take from them. And how many, how many people do you know that are like that, JJ? I know you yourself was in a position where you, you like the idea of being in a relationship, but then it's toxic, but we always kind of ask ourselves, well, like you said, Pastor Jordan, why me? You know, it, it, am I messed up? Is right. it something that's going on with me? And so we stay longer than we should have. Uh, what What is kind of like your your wisdom or your advice? Just coming, speaking from that place uh, to the young women, older women, men uh, in in this area right now, JJ. Okay. Well, first let's let's go back because we do not want to believe you are at all like Stacy because Stacy was a pure <laughs> sociopath. Okay. So, uh, and, and there, I don't know you that well, but I just believe that you are not a sociopath. Okay. Um, okay. And, and it's important for people to also realize that people can have narcissistic qualities and not be a narcissist, right? Um, a sociopath can absolutely be a narcissist and a narcissist does not necessarily mean that they're a sociopath if that makes okay. sense. And I, if it's okay, I'd like to kind of break down the difference so yeah, that please. people can understand. So, socio, let me talk about what they both have in common. <laughs> so sociopaths and narcissists, uh, they both have like a really high view of themselves. They think that they are like the most special people walking the planet. Um, they don't consider other people's feelings very often. They are both very charming and very charismatic and they both feel entitled um the difference is their intent so a sociopath is more manipulative because they're not worried about their ego at all whereas a narcissist is all about their ego, because their ego is very fragile. They're very insecure. Even though they walk around very arrogantly, they are very fragile when it comes to their ego. So you have to kind of understand, and I hope that you don't fit any of these descriptions, either one of you. No, that's me. But <laughs> I'm cosplaying yeah, yeah. right now saying that sounds a lot like me. I thought I was uh, yeah. God's chosen. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. See the go the, the golden child, right? So uh, sociopaths, they also tend to be very um dangerous people. They could be more sabotaging of uh of others, they could be more promiscuous. You might see that they have like drug problems. 
Okay, so let me let me try to break this down in like the easiest way. This is probably a corny analogy, but I'll just give it to you like this. Let's say that you're at the movie theater. A okay. sociopath will walk in and and look for the shortest person that they can sit in front of and intentionally sit in front of them because they know they won't be able to see the screen. I thought that right? was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but like... And, and, and definitely a jerk. <laughs> but a narcissist will walk in. They will get ready to sit down. They may turn around and say, oh, that person's shorter. They probably won't be able to see. But this is the best place I can sit because I can see better right here. So it's uh, like I acknowledge what I'm doing, but, but I'm doing it from a different intention. My intention is just because I'm worried about myself. I got to do what's best for me. A sociopath wants to make your life a living hell and they do it purposely. So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes, that, that, sense. yeah that makes a lot of sense. Wow. So. So, yeah, you, you know, being in a relationship with these types of people, you uh, your mind is twisted. And that is why people say that's why you're reading this book and you're like, I can't understand why. She is still here. Like, why are you putting up with the cheating? It's it's your brain is so freaking twisted. Yeah. You're not yourself and you have been manipulated so much that you believe like there's a chance that times will go back to the way that they were and that and it just never happens. Wow. So it was the relationship was good for about what, three days? <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was, I mean, it was good for like the first couple of months. It was good, but there were still, there was just, it, everything moved too quickly. And that is a big sign of being in an abusive relationship that most, especially women are not going to see it because we want the fairy tale that we've been sold. We want the happily ever after. We want the dream man. We want the man that's going to come sweep us off our feet. So to be with somebody who was extremely smart. He's taking me to restaurants I've never been to. He's exposing me to things that I've never been exposed to. Like I was wide open. I'm like, this is, this is it right here. And on paper, we look great together because he's the hottest DJ in the city. And I am the midday host on the biggest station in the city. So we look great together. We a power couple, right? And if people only knew how much power it was sucking out of you, right? Trying to oh to my be goodness, a powerful relationship. That's that is it's, it's good that you say that, Pastor. Have you ever been in any toxic relationship? Uh, I actually have, uh, not as far as a, a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship, but just uh, a toxic relationship in the workplace where the uh, boss had a manipulative, uh, narcissist attitude. Wow. And uh, you know, you can go work somewhere else, you know, you can go somewhere else and be somewhere else, but you you say, I've been here so long, so I, I'll go ahead and go through it. Hey, Miss JJ, I have a really quick question for you. So, um, I really love this. This book because it's almost like I, I see it as almost like your Harriet Tubman moment, right? You you come from being attacked to being the helper, and and that's something that a lot of people need. In this book, you uh, there are three things that you uh, want the 
reader to understand. Number one, to get through the process. Number two, to identify that you are in an abuse situation. And then number three, to heal from it. And then you spoke about uh, in the introduction on how your mom, you know, would treat you and your brother in that way. What would you say to someone who is in that position uh, to be able to uh, uh, get through the process, identify and heal from it? What, what would be uh, your text for that? Um, you know, first I think it's important is for people to know that it's not their fault because that is the one thing, especially if you're an empath, which I, which I am like, I'm taking on everybody else's stuff and I make it and make it mine. And you have to know that it's just, it's not your fault. Um, from a spiritual perspective, I have learned that, you know, the word tells us we're all going to struggle. We are all going to suffer, right? Like when they say, bear your cross, go ahead and pick up your cross. <laughs> you don't know what that's going to look like. And I believe that um, when you can step back and say, okay, this is a part of my journey. This is, this is going to be painful, um, but it's a part of my journey. Then I can look at it differently. Um, I can look at it as something that I can overcome. And so I think it's just important for people to just realize, you know, we all have to share in some of these experiences that just aren't comfortable, but there's a bigger purpose to it. Um, when you're in it, don't know why I want to hear that though. So, <laughs> so you know. I mean, just being real, you know, they no one wants to hear that, but they just need to know that they're not alone, that there's a support system that's there of people who understand when you are coming out of an abusive relationship. One of the most hurtful parts is feeling like nobody believes you, especially when it's a narcissistic abusive relationship, because there's nothing for you to see, which is why I called the book Without Bruises. Um, so knowing that there is hope and healing on the other side of it and that there are people who have gone through it, who can help to pull you out. Um, it makes such a big difference. That's great. That's great. And you're one of those people who are actually sticking that hand in that hole to pull people out. And so that's, that's, uh, super, super, um, important. And so we do thank you for that. So I think one of the things that you just mentioned, you said that you are an empath, right? So you're a person that can feel deeply the feelings and emotions of others. And the, the dangerous part about being an empath is that you don't know how to dump those things out, right? You don't know how to release it. It, it all comes in, but there's yeah, no you don't, Yeah, exactly. And, you just hold on to it rather than seeing it and, and letting it go. Like, you know, hey, let me start giving people these little nuggets here. You should do this or you should look this up. Rather than me saying, oh, my gosh, let me help you through that. No, that's yours. It's not right. mine. <laughs> <laughs> I have enough baggage of my own. Now, the great part yeah. about being an empath is that you are a person that can feel deeply the feelings and emotions of others. And that gives you that emotional intelligence to be able to 
connect with people and to speak into other people's lives. And I think when we don't know our giftedness, I think it can it can destroy us. Right. Because it can keep us in relationships longer than we should be. It'll keep us at a job longer than we should be. It'll keep us in uh, being, de- uh, I guess, people being codependent on us because we're like, but no, I can't leave because they need me. Because you know, just like you were with Stacy, like, oh, you know what? He's hurting. He's he's in a a, a sad place, and and we stay there because we care more about them than we care about ourselves. Yeah. And I think Scripture tells us that we have to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And I think we sometimes miss that ourself part yes, that you have to love yourself enough to say, you know what, I'm being abused and taken advantage of, and I've got to get out of this particular thing. But you know, it's hard though, JJ, like when you love, so I love him. Yeah. Like when you, when you yeah. love him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doggone love. Listen. Yeah. Or, or, and, and, or you're in love with the idea right. of love. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, so many people are in love with the idea. I, I gen- genuinely believe that Stacy and the person who ended up following eight years later after Stacy, who I dated with, that was also a narcissist. I loved them both deeply. And that was, that was real. I loved them because I could see their pain, right? And I could, and genuinely wanted to help them push through their pain but it wasn't for me. And, and it took a while to really get that. That's not what I'm here to do. And, but you, it's, it's challenging when you know that God has put you on this earth for this purpose of helping people to break chains. Right. And you think you can break, help everybody break all their chain. And it's like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so what's so funny, Ms. JJ, I think that a lot of times we encounter that. I think that you have to be very careful, even even when you have um, that heart to help people, because sometimes we can go overboard. And what happens is, is is, uh, in the Bible, it says that one waters, excuse me, one plants, one waters. And God is the one who grows and increase. And sometimes we can find ourselves planting, watering and then trying to make it grow. We find ourselves trying to play Mm -hmm. God. And so and so I think that that's a, a, a very important part to be able to say, okay, well, let me find out. Should I touch this or should not? Should I give this to God? Should I give this to someone else? Um, I also, I also wanted to talk to you about chapter six. In chapter six, uh, the title is "Then the Truth Comes Out," and so um, I wanted to talk to you about that because what do you do at the point and at the moment that the truth comes out? Uh, in the Word of God, it says that the truth shall set you free. So, do you do you leave? Do you stay? Do you try to work things out, or what do you do in that moment? Run, run, <laughs> run, <laughs> run, go. So, no, but seriously, though, um, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, when the truth comes out, and and you know, you we're supposed to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. If there is one thing that I will speak on for the rest of my life, because at the end, it has been the biggest lesson that I have learned so far in in my 42 years of being on this planet uh, is trusting your intuition, which is nothing but the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, hey, and you know what to do because you feel it like you know what to do. And in both situations, there were certain things. I saw it. I felt it in my spirit. And I stayed when I wasn't supposed to stay. 
because I, you know, we will talk ourselves into doing it when, and you're with people who are very manipulative. They can convince you <laughs> to stay, you know, Stacy said, Hey, go and meet a therapy. You're right. You're right. I need to go to therapy. And then I go to the therapist and I talk about this in my book and the therapist is even been manipulated by him that I'm like, she can't even see what's going on. She's laughing about it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you, like it was, it's honestly, it felt like being in the twilight zone. It's like, nobody sees what I see. Like nobody can see this. And so I should have listened to my intuition. I get it. I get why people stay there. I'm doing a webinar actually at the end of the month about why we stay in abusive relationships. And there are so many reasons why that we ignore our intuition. And, and one of the big things is just, we want the good times to come back because there was a, there was once a good time, you know what I mean? And, and we do that in regular relationships that aren't abusive when we, we want those good times to come back and it, cause it felt so good. And we believe we can get it back there. Yeah, it's almost like someone who becomes addicted to something uh, or uh, alcohol or anything like that. They want that first that first time, like how it was when they first oh. tried it. They never can achieve yeah. that. Yeah, and I and I think like what you said is so important. I think that when someone shows you your hand, Maya Angelou said, "Believe them." Believe but you know, I think, them. I think we also stay because it's like the icing on the cake, right? Mm -hmm. We enjoy looking at the icing. We enjoy what it represents. Like when you see the cake at the birthday party, mm -hmm. but if you eat a bunch of that icing, it will make you sick. But even when you want to stop eating it, you're like, mm, this is good. Like I want to I stay. So I think uh, there is a, there's always this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And the spirit will give you straight up, tell you the truth, get the heck out of there. Right. And flesh will be like, no, this is good icing. Like you don't let good yeah. icing go away which would in your case would have been the stacy because you guys were the power couple and you say okay we can if we can just make it through this little hump like if we can just get over this thing then it'll be good and, and and when you get over it it's more more hell on the other side and so we have to yep. get to the point where we say screw it like screw this relationship yep. screw uh this idea screw uh the 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 things in my imagination that are keeping me here i need to be led by the spirit screw the physical body allow me to be led by my intuition allow me to be led by the holy spirit to move into the area where i need to be and so what was it for you jj what was your screw it moment um and it could have been you know with stacy it could have been with the next guy and i think we have some screw it moments on the way to healing right because sometimes we think okay it's yeah. done and then we find ourselves yeah. just like you did in your case you find yourself back into the same thing that you was like how did i get back here right how did i get here yeah uh, Ooh, um, I'm going to tell you, and people disagree with me on this one all the time, um, but I know what is true to me. My biggest screw it moment was having to make the decision to part ways with my relationship with my mother. Wow. And, you know, I also talk about that in my book, but I say that because that is the relationship that the world says there's no way you can part ways like there's like how in the world do you do that that's your mother and it was very difficult 
um, to make that decision, but it is the best decision that I made for myself, for my healing, for my daughter, you know, for my sanity. Um, when I was coming out of that relationship with Stacy, you need compassionate people to be around you as a support system. And my mother, she just doesn't have it. She's not capable of it. Um, my mother, we believe, the family believes she has um, a personality disorder called borderline personality, which means she's very irrational. She has some very strong narcissistic characteristics. Um, mm. She made me feel worse while I was battling depression. And then there was a moment that I took a look and I was like, you know what? Every significant moment that I've ever had in my life was ruined by my mother, the birth of my child, my wedding, my baby shower, the, when I purchased my first home. Like, I mean, she's, she's, and, and she is somebody, if I showed you right now, my little prayer wall, you would see her all over it. Cause I pray for her daily. Um, but I had to part ways because she was so destructive. She couldn't be a part of my healing process. And I needed to heal because I was about to lose my life. And so I'm grateful for my relationship with my father because he was the nurturer. He was the person to help me to heal, to, to first even recognize there was an issue at all. And so um, it's sad. You know, I haven't spoken to my mother in maybe, gosh, almost eight years. Wow. Um, a lot of, the, of our family have separated from her. Uh, my brother also, and uh, but it was necessary. And um, so, yeah, I think that was the biggest screw it. It was like saying screw it to what people think. What works for you may not work for me. Right. You know, it looks different for everybody. But I know for sure there are people who have relationship with family members and they don't know how to create boundaries and their lives are a living hell because they believe they have to have it. It has to be this way because right. this is the way we've been told it's supposed to be. And that's not always the case. Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, that's talk about making the decision to say screw it. That's that's a tough one. Yeah. Like that's that's almost the ultimate uh, yeah. screw it moment that you, you have there. So so let me ask this question. Um, on your your road to recovery, and, and I, I use that word because you were trying to recover what was lost about yourself. Uh, the chapter two in my book, I talk about being single, healthy, and whole. Uh, and on your road to to, to wholeness, uh, one of the things to being whole is to know who you are. Right? You have to know what you who you are. You have to know what you have to contribute, and you know what you have to protect. Uh, and once you know those things, you can move about with the confidence and walk into a relationship knowing what you bring to the relationship. And you can say no before even things get started. Right. Because when we're mm -hmm. not, we will chase things right that that can seemingly affirm who we are. I'm looking through my validation between this person that I'm dating because I don't feel like I'm complete. And, and how many times do we do that, JJ, where we connect with people that we feel like 
uh, bring apart, bring about the missing pieces of us, right? Uh, oh, they've got the confidence, so I need to hook up with them, or they've got the money, I need to hook up with them, or they have the clout or the fame, or they have uh, the, the sensitivity, or they have the thing that we don't have. And so in a sense, we're selfish because we're trying to use them to make us whole. And, and you can't, you can't make me whole. Even when they talk right. about in marriages, two uh, halves can know two whole people can come together and overflow and pour love to each other. But if two broken people get together, you just got two broken people. Two broke people are broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's and, so real. But the question would be, how do you know that that person is really broken until you give it time? Because that's the thing about you know, when we're talking about abusive relationships, you see, you talk about seeing a person's representative, you getting the best of the best in the beginning. Yeah. You don't even see the brokenness until later. Yeah. So a whole person can see a broken person from a mile away. A broken person won't be able to know what wholeness look like because or looks like because they've never been whole. And so the goal for any single person is to really do the homework. So, so what we do, we go to counseling after the fact, right? After we have been hurt or bruised, we go to counsel. We don't do it before. So think about this, Pastor Jordan, you did it yes, sir. before you got married. You went to counseling, yes, premarital counseling. No, I didn't go to. Pre oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah premarital sorry. counseling. Yes, sir. But how many of us go to pre-relationship counseling? Right. Like to oh, to yeah. get whole <laughs> because if you get the information before you can avoid these pitfalls sure. and hooking up with these people that that give us great stories to talk about afterwards, but they bring us so much pain. <laughs> I, think that, yes. I think that in chapter four, JJ, where you spoke spoke about there there must be something wrong with me. I think that even in that even in seeing that there's something wrong with you or thinking that there's something wrong with you, you start to look at um, uh, what this person was saying about you and what this person feels and what they what they think. And in doing that, you almost don't have uh, that wholeness, as it were, for yourself, because when you know who you oh, are, yeah. who you are, uh, no one can really tell you. Uh, who you are, because you know who you are, right? No one can tell me that I'm a Caucasian uh, male. I I'm an African-American male. You can't tell me that. So I think that in, in understanding and finding out, number one, who you are, knowing that you are crisis, and then inside of that, knowing who you are to Christ, that kind of helps you develop that that uh, role to uh, your wholeness. Yes, that's so good too, because self-esteem, your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-awareness, um, all of those things are such a huge factor. When I met Stacy, I was just coming out of a divorce. So I felt like a failure. My mm -hmm. self-esteem was so low and you're right, pastor. People can smell your low self-esteem a mile away. Um, especially if they're broken, right? <laughs> like there it is. So, um, you got to make sure that you are self-aware enough to see those issues that you have and, yeah. and really how to work through them. So the Bible says that there is power in a multitude of counsel. Yes, sir. In the African-American community, uh, counselors are almost seen as people that you go see when you have an issue, yeah. not as there's power in a multitude of counsel. Mm -hmm. and, and, and JJ, I know you have a platform that you go out 
and you speak to people, but what do you think about telling young people to start to go to counseling early on, even when nothing is wrong, just so that they can have a sense of, of self-discovery, that they can have a sense of identity and self-worth because we can be in church and listen to great sermons, but still struggle with our identity. I know people that have been in church forever and, and they get the word and they, I'm the head and not the tail, but their life looks like the end of it. It looks like the butt part. (laughs) (laughs) Or they say I'm a head and not beneath, but they look like the bottom of the shoe. And so we can hear it. But until we do that personal work, We'll continue to have this, and it's almost it's almost like an abusive relationship. We're chasing a fantasy. Yes, and I think that's what the atheist is saying. What are you guys serving? This must be some type of fictitious thing. But no, it's not. It's just that we have not been led into the right direction of how to get that. Because just think about it, JJ. If you were whole, or if you, you took the time and took the work uh, before you got married the first time, and then even after you got married, uh, to do that, Stacy probably wouldn't have been on your list of a person that you would have given your time to? Oh, no. He wouldn't even have been a factor. We would have looked at Stacey and got gone real quick. <laughs> so you're right. And I want to be able to tell, um, tell young people, especially, you know, therapy isn't, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. And I think that's the thing. Most people think that if I'm going to therapy, it must mean something is wrong. Actually, you even just having the initiative to go to therapy means something is very right. There's a desire for you to want to be better for yourself. And that is a huge step. I thought therapy was a one day thing. I went to therapy. I was like, all right, I'm good. And (laughs) The, and the next you know is a therapy for three years, healing from Stacy, but yet also healing from my relationship with my mother and just learning so much about me. And then, you know, uh, right after I battled depression and I came out of that, my father passed away, who was one of, you know, he's like my best friend. And so and he was the one who saved my life from that experience. And so. Then I'm back in therapy. I'm back, y'all. Here we go. Because I got to <laughs> hey, heal through this. Then I realized at some point, it's a like, it's like a all the time thing for me. Like yeah. therapy is a, let me just check in and make sure I'm good. And, you know, or when I'm feeling a certain way, like I am so comfortable with, let me call my there. Hey, girl, I need yeah. to sit on the couch. Like <laughs> I'm trying to work through this issue. It's like, you wouldn't go on YouTube if you broke your ankle to try to figure out how to mend your ankle. You would go straight to the doctor. It wouldn't even be a question, right? And what's the yeah. doctor going to do? The doctor is going to give you the proper tools that you need to heal. And that's the same thing. Our brain is the most important organ in our body. So it controls everything. No brain, nothing functions. So why would you not go to the people who specialize in the brain and understand how it works so that you can heal it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so soft. I mean, the brain is so soft, but it's so powerful. Yes. And that's why the school has to protect it, but we don't protect it because we don't know how valuable sure. that thing is to do it. Well, this has yeah. been great. We have to actually do a part two because there is a new journey that you are, are on the cusp of, and we definitely want to dive deeper into that. And so would you mind coming back on for a part two? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, it's going to happen right now. So we're just going to pause this. All righty, guys. Well, listen, for today, we want to thank you all for joining us. Our very special guest, Miss JJ Simmons, thank you for being Ooh. with us today. Please make sure that you check out her book, Without Bruises, and all of her other books um, that she have uh, within our platform. Hey, listen, guys, this is all that we have for you today. Always remember, in life, you must go through it. Just do it. Screw, Screw it. it. Peace. Thanks for joining the Screw It Podcast with the Joneses, Carlos and Jordan Jones. If you've ever come face to face with faith or failure, this podcast is for you. Keep up with the podcast. Follow the Screw It Podcast hashtag. Get the book available now on Amazon and join us for another episode real soon.